starting a new series, uh, like we mentioned last week, called Abide. And uh, it's over. If, you, if you're new to Christianity or you're new to the Bible, we're talking about um, what the Bible refers to as the fruit of the Spirit. And um, that's just a, a fancy way of saying uh, what your life would look like if you gave it completely over to God. The Bible believes uh, and teaches and um, those who followed God in the Bible for a long time have seen it in their own lives, that the path we take has a certain destination. And so, so the, the decisions we make um, oftentimes will lead us down a path that has a direction, it has a destination. And you've probably seen this uh, yourself, where isn't it weird how you can look at somebody's life and the decisions they're making, and you can go, oh, man, you're probably thinking of somebody right now. Oh, I know exactly what's going to happen. Like, you know, you have a girlfriend or boyfriend, and, and they, they start a relationship with somebody, and, you, and you're like, oh, no, that is, that is not going to happen. And they're like, doo, 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 you know, and they're happy, and he's the cutest little boo, you know, and you're like, oh, I can see where that goes. Now, how come? We can do that for everyone around us, but for some reason, for us, when it comes to our own destination, our own path, it's difficult for us to see. Well, there's a bunch of different reasons. We've talked about that in the past, emotions and expectations and all this kind of stuff, past hurts and baggage and all that. Um, But you have a Heavenly Father, fortunately, that can see exactly where those decisions are going to lead you and has something to say about it prior to you making that decision. And that's what this series is about. It's about what would happen if we decided to go down the path that God had for us. What would happen if we began to um, kind of set aside the things that we, in the back of our minds, know aren't really the right thing that we should do. And again, if you're new to the Bible and all this, you've experienced this yourself. You've made decisions where you knew even at the time, this isn't the right thing. And you can call it your conscience. You can call it whatever. But you just, there's something inside of you that just said, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, there, there's, I, but I, I just, I want to do it anyway. And so you did it anyway. And then you went down that path. And you ended up in the destination that everybody knew you were going to end up in, that you knew. And now you're sitting there with regret. And you're stuck. And you're like, oh, man, well, guess what? I have good news for you. You have a heavenly father that not only knew you were going to end up there, but knows how to get you back home. And so we'll be talking about that during the series. Um, So what's happening here, we're going to look at two sections of scripture. We're going to look at Galatians chapter 5 and and see what Paul has to say about this fruit of the Spirit. And Paul juxtaposes it to the other path, if you will, um, that that we have a tendency to go down. Uh, And then we're going to look at what Jesus has to say about this whole idea of abiding in him, about bearing fruit. Because here's the thing I know about God uh, and that you probably know about God too. He has a plan for you to live a life that's abundant. Now, that doesn't mean that you're not going to have problems. It's not going to mean that people don't die. It's not going to mean that you, lose your, you don't lose your job, all that kind of stuff. But there's something about this fruit of the Spirit that transcends circumstances. And, and, we'll, and we'll look at that in a little bit. And the, the other thing is we're going to do this morning is this is the intro 
Um, but we're going to cover the first fruit of love, but we're not really going to spend that much time on it. Because what's going to happen is over the next nine weeks, as we go through each one of these different uh, fruit, um, love is going to be the underlying kind of soil that these things grow up in. It's going to be, we're just going to keep coming back to it over and over and over again. So we don't really have to spend too much time on that. But I want to get us familiar with some different terms and some different ideas that we'll be hitting on each week. And I wanted to do that this morning. So we're in Galatians chapter 5. If you have a mobile device that you look at uh, for the Bible or you actually have a real um, paper Bible, um, you can turn to that, Galatians chapter 5. Um, one of the nice things about the mobile devices is you don't even have to know where in the Bible it is. You just type, type in Gal 5, and it's like, bam, Galatians chapter 5. Uh, where is it in the Bible? It's right next to Angry Birds, okay? No, um, all right, uh, so here we go. Galatians chapter 5, uh, verse 16. So I say, walk by the Spirit. Now, this word walk um, uh, some, sometimes in some translations, it's live. It, it's basically just when you make your decisions, as you go down the path of life, okay, make your decisions informed by the Spirit and empowered by the Spirit. Okay, in other words, when it says walk by the Spirit, it's not next to the Spirit. It's, 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 it's instructed by and empowered by the Holy Spirit. And we're going to see why in just a second. But he says, I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Now, it doesn't take a, 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 a rocket surgeon to figure out, you know, what, why Paul is going to this. Because all of us in this room have had times in our lives, whether you're a Christian or not, where you followed the desires of your flesh, uh, depending on what they were, and you ended up in a place where you got stuck. And so, uh, you, you know, uh, or you didn't intend to be in the fir- first place. So you kind of, you know, Paul's speaking our language, right? But he, but he goes on because it's not just don't, don't follow the desires of your flesh. Watch what he says about this. It's very fascinating. He says, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit. See how Paul sets up these two paths, these, these two ways to look at life. Um, uh, the Bible says it so, this way sometimes. Um, the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of earth, you know, the two kingdoms. So, yeah, those of you who have been around for the 10 years that I've been around, you know, we have the two things. Okay, yeah, I know. We, we used to have hand motions before, uh, if you're new, before you got here and you're like, oh, praise Jesus. I've been after that thing. Um, well, yeah, so um, he says, the, desi- the flesh desires what is contrary to spirit and the spirit what's contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with one another. And so as we begin to make decisions in our lives, as we begin to decide, should I hand my life over to me or should I hand my life over to God? This, there's no like kind of middle road. There there seems to be what Paul's saying is that we got to be careful about the decisions we make because we might end up on a path that we don't want to end up. And those paths have consequences. He says, they're in conflict with one another. This is just the key verse of the whole thing. So that you are not to do whatever you want. (laughs) To which I say, rubbish, Paul. (laughs) How dare you? It's life, liberty, and the pursuit of what? Yeah, my happiness, okay? But Paul says, listen, don't do whatever you want. There, there's a conflict that's raging, and, and what's at stake is really, really 
important. And here's what he does. He, he, takes, he, he just gives you the result of the two paths right away. It's like cliff note version, okay, of what will happen if I follow the desires of my flesh. He's going to list, well, if you're going to follow the desires of your flesh, these are the deeds of the flesh. And here's what he says. He says, um, and, and, and he uses terminology like the deeds of the flesh are evident. You know, like they're, 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 they're obvious. And so you can kind of see them there. Sexual immorality, okay? And, and again, you're going to look at this list as they keep coming up. And, and you're in your mind, you're going to be like, oh, haven't done that. You know, oh, oh no, I, I, I mean, witchcraft, right? I mean, well, maybe some of you, uh, if I, as I look out there, you know, but, but you'll probably think, you know, uh, you know witchcraft, you know, I haven't done that. But listen to this, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord. You're like, oh, you were, you were at our last staff meeting. Uh, jealousy, fits of rage, if you've ever driven the five, okay, fits of rage. Um, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness. And I tell you guys every week, read your Bibles. Orgies, watch, it's coming up there, okay? It's, it's in the Bible, okay, right? But here, here's the thing. Actually, that word orgies just means carousing. It means doing whatever you want. No limits, just anything goes, okay? That, that's what that means. I don't know why NIV did it that way, but, uh, but hey, you know, when you're at the water cooler, and they said, what, were they, what was the teaching on? Oh, orgies, you know, it's like, what? And it's kind of weird. But um, those are the deeds of the flesh. This is what happens when you follow that path. When I follow the desires of my flesh, that's what my life looks like. Now, when we make those decisions, we're not thinking about that. I don't want my life to be de- like defined about being debauched, okay? Or whatever the word is for that one, but, right? And you see, so, but this is the natural, this is the result of following, just doing whatever we want. And that life to me does not look very fulfilling. Now, there might be times when I'm making decisions that it feels good for the moment in that list. But the overwhelming, what I've produced in my life is just regret. Now, as you read some of these things, you'll think, you know, why well, I, I, I didn't really have anything to do with like witch, witchcraft. You know, you know what's interesting? You know what the Greek word for the witchcraft is? It's just pharmacy. <laughs> yeah. That's what it means. It means the distributing of drugs. And in Paul's particular case, that, that um, uh, it was, you'd take these drugs or whatever and you'd meet the gods because, you know, you're, you're high, you know. And so that, that, that was the thing. Well, it's kind of amazing to me how current this really is. I, I was just reading an article this week um, that they, the study was done and they suspect seven out of ten Americans take a prescription medication. I mean, that's, that's incredible to me. Um, one, one study that the Mayo Clinic did in 2012 said that the ne- next to antibiotics, the next thing that doctors prescribe is opiates. <laughs> you know, Oxycontin and all this kind of stuff. We get, we get addicted to that. That's, that's the deeds of the flesh. This is, this is where when we just kind of go after ourselves, we, we get addicted, we get trapped, we get stuck. And, he, and here's what he says, just in case yours isn't on this list, uh, he kind of wraps yours in too. Uh, uh, he says, and things like these. <laughs> like, don't try to get away with just the list. It's just, this is the kind of thing. And watch what he says, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you. Like, I'm, 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 I'm warning you, just like I've always warned you, there are these two ways of looking at life. One 
is with God in control and one is with me in control. And they have results. Okay? So he says, I, just as I forewarned you and have forewarned you, that those who practice these will not inherit the kingdom of God. And you're thinking to yourself, because I took a Xanax last night, I'm not going to go to heaven? Like, is that really what, you know, what, what, what it means? No, no. It's just that your heavenly Father knows that when you entrust your life completely to him, it turns out better. The kingdom of God, we say this all the time in our church, the kingdom of God starts today. It starts now. That, yes, there's heaven, and, and you want to go there, okay? There's no, no doubt about that. And, and, um, and yeah, there's all sorts of great things the Bible says about heaven. But Jesus prayed this. I pray your kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, today. And, and, and Paul's saying that when we begin to follow this other path, the deeds of our flesh, doing whatever we want, kind of going, well, if it feels good, do it. We're going to end up with a life that displays all those things that we don't really want to be a part of ultimately. We don't want our life defined by that stuff. So he goes on. He says, um, those who practice those things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then he goes on and he says, uh, he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit, uh, uh, there's, there's less in the list. Um, but look at the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We'll look at these together in a second. But imagine you start going down a path and that's what your life begins to look like. That's incredible. That's like a fulfilled life. Like, doesn't that look like what you should be created for? Those things? Well, this is what happens and this is what we're going to be talking about in the next nine weeks. This is what happens naturally when you give your life completely over to your Heavenly Father. That's the good news. The bad news, which we'll be seeing over the next nine weeks, is that there are certain things that can stifle that fruit. Now, we say uh, um, um, that fruit happens. I mean, this, this just happens naturally when we give our lives over to God. You don't, try, you don't look at this list and say, I'm going to try harder to do those things. Imagine a tree, um, in, in, and, and you go to, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, like an orange tree, and it's sitting there in your front yard, and uh, there's no oranges on it at all. And so uh, you walk up to the tree, and you're like, what's going on? There's no, there's no oranges on the tree. And let's say the tree could talk to you, and the tree says, oh, man, I've been so busy. I had to take all the other, my little tree babies to soccer practice. Uh, the, um, you know, the missus over there, uh, you know, she's, we've been arguing, we're in counseling, and I just got a promotion, you know, and I just, oh, man, I just got, you know, but, but hold on one second, hold on one second. And then she's like, no. no, all of a sudden there's like a little, you know, like a little orange there. Like, yeah, there, whew, there you go. Hold on one second, you know, and then, you know, another one, and then, you know, he's like, okay, there. Okay, okay, there you go. Fine. Go ahead. Take the oranges. I, I got stuff to do, right? Trees don't do that. Trees have fruit because they're fruit trees because that's what happens naturally. As a matter of fact, the only time it doesn't have fruit is when there's something unhealthy about the tree. Trees were designed, fruit trees, to have fruit on them. That's what they do. In the same way, we were designed to bear that fruit. And if it's not evident in our lives, it's an indication that there's something wrong. 
Not, not, not that we're wrong, but there's just something not, not right in our lives, that there's something stifling. And what we're going to be talking about over the next nine weeks is that there, um, to, in order for a tree to be healthy, there's really two things you do. You, you feed it and you prune it. And in each one of these weeks, as we look at this type of fruit, we're going to look at some of the things in our lives that we might need to feed in order to bring health and to bring fruit, or what we might need to prune. And here's the thing about pruning. Sometimes it's painful. And sometimes we're getting rid of things in our life. Bob and I were talking about this this week. Sometimes we get rid of things in our life that actually look healthy. It's not like sin. It's not like this nasty, gnarly branch of lying that we have to get rid of. Sometimes it's just prioritized. We'll talk about that in a second. But here's what he says. Um, uh, so he says, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Um, it goes on. It says, against such things there is no law. Like, in other words, this is, you, you, if you're not for this, you don't really have an argument is what, is what Paul's saying. And he goes on. He says, now, those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So there's this sense of pruning, the sense of feeding, the sense of, look, if they truly are two paths and they truly are in conflict with, with one another, I'm killing this one because I don't want to find myself at the end of the road with that other list. I want to be on this road with this list. So how do we do that? Well, Jesus talks about this a little bit and he says, um, and, and now we're switching from Galatians. We'll come back to Galatians, actually, chapter 3 in just a little bit. But now we switch to John chapter 15. And if you um, would like to just, you know, if, if you're having a time with God and you're thinking, what should I read? Open up John 15. There's so much great stuff in there. We don't have time to go through it all right now, so we're going to skip some of the verses. But, but just while you're, just think about the intimacy of this uh, 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 of this uh, section of scripture. Here's what Jesus says. He says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. Isn't that beautiful imagery that, that there's a sense that, that Jesus's life is displayed as life and production and um, just like, the, there's just like this natural beauty about it. And, and there's a heavenly father that we have that's the gardener that inspects and goes, okay, I want the most health I can possibly get out of this. And he comes in and he looks with gardener-type eyes and then can see the little things. Oh, that's going to be a problem. That's going to be a problem. We need to shape and adjust. And so uh, he says, this is what your Heavenly Father does. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, listen, he prunes so that it'll be even more fruitful. So not only does God want your life to be fruitful, he wants it to be more fruitful. He said, well, life's really fruitful right now. He wants it to be more fruitful. As a matter of fact, pruning, uh, we have this tree in our backyard. It's actually our neighbor's tree. It's a lemon tree. And it's one of those lemon trees. There's lemons everywhere. The whole tree is is just lemons, okay? But they're not useful lemons. They're the type of lemons, uh, you've probably seen them, that are just giant. They look like grapefruits. They're all gnarly and nasty looking, and it looks like they've been in a fight, okay? And, and, and so, um, 
And then when you peel them, like the, the, the skin is like this thick. And then there's this little nugget of a lemon that's dry and nasty. And so that's, it's in my neighbor's uh, tree. And so uh, it, it hangs over our property. And the lemons get in our pool. And, and so the pool man tells us all the time, you need to cut that lemon tree back. But, but here's the thing. I know about lemon trees. I know about trees. If I prune it, it's going to get healthy, and I want it to die. <laughs> I want it to be so burdened down with the weight of its own fruit that it just gives up and crumbles, okay? Like if I trim it back, it's going to become more fruitful. Now, I can trim it back, you know, just kind of shade, like just go up where my fence is and just go, you know, just kind of now it's have it just tip over. Um, but, but I don't want that tree to be healthy. I want that tree to die. If I prune it, it's going to get healthy. Now here's the thing. We all know that we all know the analogy and, and we love it until God wants to prune something in us. And then we're like, this is a dumb idea. I don't know what you're doing because why would you cut off something healthy for something later. Let's just deal with it now. I'll show you a, a little analogy of this. This is our um, patio area before we did the patio. Okay. So um, uh, this series kind of piggybacks on 10 years of us doing ministry together. Okay. So, so we'll, we'll, we'll be celebrating this a little bit more. But that, that was it. Um, and, and for those of you who've walked across that, you probably have the compound fracture that uh, resulted from these little holes and dips. You know, show of hands, how many twisted their ankle? Yeah, look at that. All right. Thank you for not suing. We are very happy. Um, but that was it. And so, so then, so that, if you look at that and watch kind of the transformation, that's what it looks like now, which is fantastic. But I, I, I wanted this picture because of that tree right there. Because when we, when we did the patio, we had a choice to make when it came to the trees. And the choice was this. We could get a certain gallon tree, you know, like a 10-gallon tree or 20-gallon tree or whatever, or you could get a bigger tree. And as you got the bigger tree, it got way more expensive. And, and so my thinking was, well, why don't we get the smaller tree? Because guess what trees do? They grow, okay? So why am I going to pay for your growth, you know, why don't I just pay for a little tree and then let it grow? And here, here's the reason why you don't do that. Um, is because when you get a bigger tree, you already see what it looks like. When you get a little tree, you don't know what it's going to do. And so if you were around our campus about three weeks ago, you saw some of our trees were getting all jacked up. They were like, like one, one tree, like the whole tree's there, and then there's this one branch that just like starts shooting out over here like a unicorn or something. It was, it was like, and, and so like the tree actually started making me angry. Like, like, what are you doing? None of the other trees are doing that. Why are you doing that? And it, it was a really healthy branch, but it just looked like a tumor that was just like heading out, like jetting out, you know? And so, and so it, it looked, it looked weird. It's like, you're not supposed to be creative, okay? Just be a tree. Just be a normal tree, okay? You know, it's like we tell people all the time, just be unique. Don't be unique. Be a tree. Just be the tree you're supposed to be. So these are the conversations I'd have with the trees. And so, um, so we had to get a tree trimmer to here, okay? And so the tree trimmer comes, and it's like, what do you want me to do? I'm like, I don't know, trim the trees? You know, it's like you know, kind of that's what tree trimmers do. But here's what he said. He's talking to Bob, and he said this. Well, you have to tell me what you want the tree to become so I know how to prune it. See, 
which I didn't think. I thought you just, I don't know, make it a ball or something, you know. But, but he, he, when he looked at the tree, okay, what he saw was several different potentials that that tree could be. And he asked the question, do you want it to go up or do you want it to go out? I'm like, up and out. <laughs> like, like a tree, you know, I don't know. I mean, but, but that, that was the thing, because he, he knew that tree. He knew the type of tree. And he said, look, you, we can train it to go this way or to go. Now listen, in this very same way, your heavenly father looks at your life and he says this. I'm glad you're doing what you want, but that little tumor thing in your life, it looks really healthy. I'm telling you, that branch that actually got cut off on that tree was like the healthiest branch, healthiest branch on the whole tree. It was awesome. It was thick and it was green. It was, but it wasn't, it wasn't producing the type of thing we needed it to produce. And so as we keep in this, sec, uh, as we keep in this series, there might be things in your life that look really, really healthy. There might, we're, we're going to be talking about love in a, in a little bit. There might be things in your life that, that really display love. Maybe your job, you got a promotion, and you're really providing, and you're working and working and working. And out of love, you're providing for your family in some way. And yet, the Lord says, man, that, that's great. But that jo- if you continue on that, your life is not going to end up with the type of fruit, the type of life that I want you to have. So I'm going to ask you, or I'm going to prune this off. Not all pruning is getting rid of the sin in our lives. Sometimes it's just your heavenly father looking at your life and saying, that's not the direction you're going to want to go. Okay? So here's the two juxtaposed to each other. Okay? The one on the left, the list on the left, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That is the life, the fruit that God wants for us all. And the list on the right is what happens when we begin to stray a little bit and start following our own. And there there is no middle ground where it's like, well, on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I'll do my path. And then on Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday, you know, there there is that. They, They both have results. And so Jesus continues. He says, remain in me. Okay, this is how we bear fruit. Remain in me and I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. In other words, if you want to follow the kind of desires of the flesh or whatever you want to call it, just kind of your own path or whatever, you're not, you cannot produce that fruit, okay? You can't do it. You ha- it has to be abiding in Jesus. He says, no fran- uh, branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And then in verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. It goes on, unpacks that a little bit. And then in verse 8, it says this. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Then in verse 9, this is where we get into the love part. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. Here's what he says in verse 12. My command is this. Love each other as I've loved you. Greater love has no one than this than he lay down one's life for one's friends. Now, we talked about pruning and we talked about feeding. How do we feed 
this love? How, how do we, let's talk about this. How do we strangle love? The way you strangle love, the way you shut off the flow of God's spirit uh, to demonstrate that fruit of love is to be self-serving. That is the number one way. When, when, it, when it's all about me, I can't, I, I stop the flow of love because the, the fruit of love displays itself in sacrificial a sacrificial life. That's the fruit of love. You don't, uh, and, it's, and it's to the undeserving. And this is just what's unique about God's love. It, it, it comes without being deserved by the receiving party. Um, John, in uh, John chapter 3, says it this way. For God so loved the world, right? He loved the world so much. He gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Uh, as Bob was uh, talking about when he was up here in his prayer, Philippians chapter 2 says this, although, God, although Jesus existed in the form of God, he didn't regard that to something to be held on to, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant. Right? And, and so, so there's this emptying. Jesus said this one time. He was talking. He said, I didn't come to, to be served. Right? I came to serve. And again in John, it says, when Jesus uh, understood that all, all authority had been given to him and that he had come from heaven and was going back to heaven, guess what he did? He said, well, finally, I get some, the credit I deserve. No, he wraps a towel around his waist and he gets down and he starts washing the disciples' feet. And then he says this, you know what I did? Do you understand what I just did for you? He said, go do it, go do it to each other. The, the, the way, the, the pruning and the feeding the pruning might be, are there areas in our lives that we are serving ourselves when in fact we should be serving others? The Bible says it this way to husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave, themsel- gave himself up for her. That's how that love is displayed. Watch what it says in John uh, 15, 16. You did not choose me. I chose you that you would bear fruit Fruit that will last so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. That's a great verse, isn't it? I'd like a beamer, and I, and, you know, and I, you know, I, I love God. I asked for him. He hasn't given it to me yet. Of course, that's not what it means. Watch, watch the next verse. You want fruit that will last? If, if love is that kind of key fruit, this is my command. Love each other. Going back to Galatians, here's what it says. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh or indulge yourself. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Watch this. Next verse. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I want to talk to you about an opportunity to do this. Because when when it comes to, to... kind of breaking out of our own self-serving thing, there, there needs to be a way to express it, right? And so you might, there might be a relationship you're in where you decide, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to you know, do the dishes every Tuesday or whatever, and that's fine. But I, I want you to think a little, a little more kingdom-minded than that. There is no better place to invest your time than in the life of somebody who's coming up behind you. 
even as I look out and I see some of the volunteers that we have for youth group and I see the uh, youth up there, right? I mean, those, those people will tell you, those who volunteer in that particular ministry will tell you that there's something, while it's hard and while it takes up time and while they've had to prune their schedule, okay, that they've had really great things in their schedule and they had to prune it back to leave room for God to produce this fruit in youth ministry. They, they will tell you, I, I, I just know it, that it's the best thing in the world. Children's ministry is about the easiest, most fulfilling. You don't even have to think about it. About what would, we, would be a better way to spend your time than investing and in telling a little kid about Jesus. And so what I was talking to Chelsea and we were talking about volunteers. And I said, you know what? I said, I have a goal. I would like to get 25 children's ministry volunteers in one day, okay, which is today. And so I talked to first service, and those knuckleheads, there were only five of them, which means there's 20 spots left open. And here's here's what I want to do. I want to just share a little bit of a vision for for what I'm talking about. In, In fact, the best way to allow the Spirit of God to flow through you, that the fruit of the Spirit becomes love, is through service. We just saw it in, in uh, Galatians chapter uh, th- uh, 3, that serve one another. You will not find a better place to serve you with your time that has the results that children's ministry does. Because you're actually doing the, you're helping them choose the right path early. One of the things we were talking about in our board meeting on Sunday uh, was that, you know, if you take the top 40 songs, all the top 40, the, the music industry targets those top 40 songs to between 8 and 14-year-old kids, okay? Because they know if they can get you between 8 and 14, they've got you, okay? And so billions of dollars are being spent to capture right, the interests of 8 to 14-year-olds. What, what would be a better thing? I mean, talk about stick it to the man right? That we could actually influence that same demographic with just one service a month. And that, that's the way our, our children's ministry is set up. The way our children's ministry is set up. There are some churches that do it. When you sign up for children's ministry, you, that's a year commitment. You teach that class for one year, okay? That's overwhelming to me. And we've talked about changing it and trying to do all, all this kind of stuff. The way ours works is that um, we have the curriculum already done. We got everything done. We, you, you sign up. You serve one Sunday a month, okay? We train you. We teach you how to do it, and you're done. As a matter of fact, I was joking with somebody the other day, and I said, look, introductory offer, okay? You sign up for children's ministry, and the first six times you work, or four times, we'll say four because I'm backing up now, you don't even have to come to church, you just go serve, go serve, go home, okay? That's it. You're off the hook, right? Now, our hope is, like Bob always says every week, it's better when you're here. So we'd love to have you in here. But you will find, and, 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 and unfortunately, the results aren't right away. So it's like, you don't, you, you like, you know, it'd be nice if you went in, you taught the class or whatever, and you brought in your, you know, however, and then all of a sudden, you know, 15 little kids come to Jesus, and you're like, wow, I'm the best teacher in the world. It doesn't happen that way. It's exactly like you'd imagine. They're little kids, right? But you will see over time, not just that the kids are changing, but that you're changing. 
Now, here's the thing. You might try it, and it might not be for you, okay? We have to run a background check, so already, like, half of you are disqualified, okay? No, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm playing. But, 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 uh, but uh, yeah, so if there's something on your record, like if, if your 30s are still catching up with you, then uh, it probably isn't is going to work. And some of you might sign up, and you might get there, and you might try it, and you might go, you know what, it's not for me. Some of you might sign up, and you might get there, and you might try it, and Chelsea might say, it's not for you, okay? But here's the cool thing. If that happens, if you sign up, and you get scheduled, and you go in, and you're nervous, and you try it, and Chelsea says, uh, I don't think that's going to work, you get all the credit anyway for signing up, right? And you don't have to serve. So it's a, it's a win-win. Don't be offended by it. Just it's a win-win. No, seriously, all kidding aside, is if, if we're going to demonstrate, Jesus, when you, when you looked at that one verse, Jesus said that you bear much fruit and so, what? Prove to be my disciples. Our lives are supposed to be ones of self-sacrifice. And, and just as we've talked about as a staff and a board, I cannot think of another volunteer position that requires so little and allows you to accomplish so much for the kingdom. And so, you know, uh, as uh, Justin comes back up, uh, and I'm sorry to take so much time on that. It's just that we're, we're really passionate about that ministry. Um, but as Justin comes up, we're gonna, you're, what I'd like you to be thinking about is in this area of love, in this area of service, is there a portion of your life that needs to be pruned back? Even something that's good, okay? Maybe you take music lessons and it's awesome or whatever, but that particular time should be spent someplace else for the kingdom as you look at what God has for your life as those, that fruit that remains, the love and the joy and the peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faith, and most gentle self-control. That whole thing, as, that, as you want that life to be manifested, maybe there's something that needs to go. And maybe there's a place you need to feed, Maybe it's not children's ministry, okay? Maybe it's something else. But there's something that just takes our eyes off of ourselves. When our eyes are on ourselves, that, that love fruit just shrivels up because we're just so interested in what is for us. And all through the Bible, all through the Bible, example after example, scripture after scripture, it says, do the exact opposite of that and watch what happens. As Justin uh, sings a couple of songs... Um, I'd like you to think about that. Not, not only children's ministry, um, but is there, is there a spot in your life where you, where, you know, I don't know, maybe you've just been serving yourself. And that, that little piece needs to go and be replaced with something where you're serving others. And maybe it is in a relationship. Maybe it is in your marriage. Maybe you've been realizing, man, she's been carrying the whole load or he's been carrying the whole load. Now, now it's, my, it's my turn to pick up some of this slack. Well, here's what I'm hoping will happen. Uh, as we take this slower time and uh, we fill out our connection cards during this time, and if this is a Sunday that you give, we, you, you can prepare your offering, and all that goes in a box in the back on your way out, and that's great. But here's what I'm hap- hoping happens. As you begin to just sit and pray and maybe listen to the music or whatever, that in some way your Heavenly Father, the gardener, would just come to you and just go, hey, um, I see your life. And I want it to be even more fruitful. And so here's where we're going to start working. And that you'd have the courage to go, okay, 
I'll allow, I'll allow that pruning to, to take place. Or he says, look, this part of your life is a little anemic, and it needs to be fed. And you say, okay, I'm going to take the sacrifice of my time or my money or whatever, and I'm going to feed this portion of my life. Um, let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, um, we're listening for your voice. We ask, Lord God, that the distractions and things of the week would just be pushed aside and we could hear you. Lord, pruning is scary um, because it's cutting <laughs> and we don't like that. We just want to grow any which way. But you know, because you are the gardener, what's healthy and what's not. So, Lord, we just open our lives to you for examination and uh, and uh, ask that we would have the courage to follow through with whatever you ask in Jesus' name. Amen.